hear the word of God. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, turn or return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight is like yesterday when it is past. It is like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like sheep. In the morning they are like grass, which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger. and By your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seven years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as, for, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? And have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In the New Testament, if you'll turn with me to the Apostle Peter's second letter, Second Peter chapter 3. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds in way of a member, of reminder, <laughs> that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved... Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that uh, are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of the things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do all the, also the rest of Scripture. But you, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your word. Yeah, this word that uh, you directed Moses to write 3,500 years ago. And yet it is important, it is apropos, it, it is essential for us, for our life. And so we pray that you would grant unto us the ability to enter the time of Moses, yes, but also the time of the completion of this of the Psalter, of the Psalms, as your people were struggling in a post-exilic time, trying to understand where's the king? Where's the king of David, the son of David, sitting on the throne? Enable us, O oh Lord, to see that and then apply it to us today. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've heard it been said of men that you there's two things you shouldn't talk about in polite company. You heard that? Well, there are two things that you're not supposed to talk about in company, polite company. Politics and religion. You ever thought of it this way? What is the phrase, Jesus is Lord, about? Is it religion? Is it politics? So, we're to confess Jesus is Lord. In other words, we're to violate the rule that you don't discuss politics or religion. You can't talk about Jesus as Lord, because that would offend somebody, right? But yet, we are called to stand upon the truth that we're not Lord, the civil government isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. That's the focus of not only today, but next week and the week after, as we 
celebrate the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Have you ever noticed in a lot of those Christmas carols we sang last night and or Christmas carols in general, how many times is there a reference to Jesus as King or Lord? The angels singing and declaring, the King has come. The wise men coming, we are looking for the King. King Jesus. Well, in our text today, as we are looking at Psalm 90, Psalm 90 is answering the question of the people coming out of Babylon, coming back into the land. They've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt the walls of the city. And they are looking forward to the promised Messiah, the promise of the son of David to reign. And guess what? The Persians are in charge. For hundreds of years, they will be. And then, guess what? Then the Greeks, Alexander the Great, will conquer the Persians and he will be in charge. Well, for eight years and then he dies, but his generals become the rulers. And then after a while, you have the Romans. So for 400 years, where is the promise of God concerning the Messiah? Has God forgot us? We're under these tyrants. We are under these perverse, wicked, Gentile rulers. Where's the Christ? Where's the King? That's what, as we read this morning in Matthew, that's what Israel, the people of God, were anticipating. When will the king come? The son of David. And so the answer that God gave the people back then is verse 1. So look at that verse. In Psalm 89, the failure of the human king, even the, the, the Davidic kingdom, Moses is the answer. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. You have been our king from before creation till the second coming throughout all eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. So the answer to the question as Israel was struggling with, the the people of God were struggling with all these pagan gods, all these wicked rulers. The answer was, you, O Lord, are the great king of eternity. And our times are in your hands, is another way of describing what the psalm teaches. That's the title. So let's look at the the, uh, bulletin. You have the... uh, outline that kind of summarizes what we're trying to say here. Scripture teaches that the Lord works everything out in time and eternity according to his sovereign plan and purpose. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God works everything that you're going through out according to his plan and purpose. Sometimes it's very hard to believe that, right? That's the testing of our faith. At the same time, we struggle to understand how this is true in light of the confusing and even evil events that occur every day. 
I've heard it been said, if Jesus is on the throne, why is there war in Israel and Gaza? Why is there war in Ukraine? Why is there famines? Why are there earthquakes? Why is there riots? Why is there all this? It sure doesn't look to me like Jesus is in charge here, at least the Jesus I know of from the Bible. We struggle, don't we, to try to connect those. Well, same with the original audience, trying to understand where's the promise of the coming of the king of kings and he would rule over these pagans. It is only by reorienting our minds according to the truth of God's word that we can find comfort and the answers to our questions. And the key to this psalm is verse 12. I tried to emphasize it when I read it. I'll read it again. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or as Paul says to Timothy, um, that the scriptures will make us wise unto salvation, understanding and living in light of God's promises. This psalm in particular, represents a turning point in not only verse 12 of this psalm, but it's a turning point in the book of Psalms. If you were to go back and to read the first, 30, uh, first 89 psalms, and in particular Psalm 89, basically what you have is crash and burn. A great car wreck, if you will. But now there's a turning point. There is a movement from lamentation, from weeping, to praise. And from this point on, through the rest of the Psalter, through the rest of the Psalms, one, one theme you'll hear over and over again, and that is the Lord reigns. The Lord's in charge. The Lord is king. Praise be to the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 90 and understand there's three steps here in dealing with or helping us to get a proper perspective on life. Number one, verses one and two, the Lord is the great king of eternity. We're back to Moses. It's the only psalm in the Psalter with his authorship. Lord, master, sovereign, you have been our dwelling place from generation to generation, from Adam till today. We have looked to man and have been disappointed. We have expected your word to be fulfilled according to our timetable and need, and you failed us. You haven't done it our way when we expect it. Notice how much time, uh, reference to time is in our text. We have been self-centered, now-oriented, which has brought confusion and unbelief and sin. Any of that apply to you? We live in the now generation. What was it like not to have microwaves? You older folk remember that, right? I, I want to eat and I want it now. It's in the refrigerator I need to heat it up. I throw it in the white microwave. I hit one minute or two minutes, and poof, now it's all ready. I want it now. 
well, you know, I'm looking for this certain thing. I can always go on the internet, find it, and buy it. You get it shipped to me within a day or two or three. I want it now. I got it. Isn't that our society? Isn't that our life today? We have looked to man and been disappointed. We really thought that Trump was going to do it for us. Oh, we really thought that Biden was going to do it for us. We really thought that man was going to I really thought that I could do that. We looked to man and been disappointed. We look and expected that God to do things according to our timetable and need. Right? I prayed. Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? We have been self-centered, now oriented, and we're confused and we fall into sin. That's what was happening in the, or the original audience receiving this. They were struggling with these things. We struggle with them as well. What is the reorientation? Getting the proper perspective on life. Yet you are the creator and sovereign God who does not change. Verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you, God. It actually, the R is supplied. You, God. You are God. You don't change. You don't change because I don't like you. Well, I don't like the wrath of God. Uh, there's a song in our hymnal, In Christ Alone. You know that song, In Christ Alone? There was a church, there was a group of churches that uh, went to the author and said, can you please change that song? Uh, we, we, it's a great hymn. You just please drop the wrath of God out of it. It's too negative. And the author said, no, it's in the Bible. God's wrath is satisfied. The atonement is essential to salvation. And you want to take away the atonement, the cross of Christ, the gospel. They're asking to remove the gospel. You are the creator. You are the sovereign God. You are the king before man was, was created. You are the king and will be for all eternity. Not only that, you are our refuge in the storms of life, the grace of God. The very beginning of the Psalter, the very beginning in Psalm 2, I almost, I was toying between this Psalm and Psalm 2 today. And Psalm 2, it says, Do homage to the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. And literally, blessed are those who run into his shelter. That hymn about the rock cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That's what Psalm 2 is about. That is a theme that runs throughout the book of Psalms. You are our shelter in the storms of life, whatever you're dealing with. You are the place of refuge. That's where this psalm is going. Notice, starting in verse 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, all of those are speaking to you, O Lord. Teach us, return, satisfy us, make us glad. Um, let your works appear. Let the beauty of the Lord be established. Establish our works. Notice, you are a person not a place. You are our home. You are our shelter. You are our belonging place. We are not 
homeless. Yes, we are pilgrims passing through this world towards the celestial city, but we're not homeless. We have a home. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. So the first step, a proper perspective on life is the Lord reigns. The Lord is king. He is the great king of time and eternity. Secondly, our lives, the times that we are here on earth, are nothing but vapor without him. And that's verses 3 through 12. Have you ever heard this psalm used in an event in your life? This particular psalm is a popular psalm to be used at a funeral or a memorial service. Verses 7 through 9 and 11 through 12 are usually left out. Why? Because it speaks of the wrath of God. Ever been to a funeral of a very wicked person, and yet you would never know that when you hear the eulogy or the pastor gets up and, oh, this is a good person and he's in heaven. And you ever been there when you know that person is not in heaven? I don't think, if, unless God saved him the last moment or so in the mercy of God, but he was not a good man good, or a good woman. Have you ever been in that situation? Well, everybody who dies is a good person. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And so let's drop this idea of, for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before us, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Those verses are dropped out. Do we need to hear that? Do we need to know? the wrath of God, the judgment of God. Is that important to you, to know your state in Adam? Our lives are nothing but vapor without Christ. Notice the key word there, return. Verse 3, you turn man to destruction and say to him, turn, O children of men. Same word, twice. Actually, that word's found Three times, verse 3 and verse 13. You have turned man to destruction and say, return. Return. You pulverize that word dust there. You turn man to the dust. That word is, you pulverize him to dust. What did God's curse on Adam? You will return to the dust. Thus thou art in dust you shall return. Notice the comparison between our temporary, transitory life and nature compared to God's eternity. We are dust. We are like the flood taken away. We are like grass that withers. We have time allotted to us. Stop and think about that. Is the time mentioned here 70 or 80 years? Is that longer or shorter than the patriarchs? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. How about Adam, 930-some years? Methuselah, 969 years? Anybody living that long? Would you want to live that long in this sin-cursed world? That would be a curse to me. Our time is short compared to God. We are but vapor before him. In spite of all the evidence, 
We fail to learn, verses 11 and 12. Notice that. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to humble or to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We fail to learn. Is that dangerous? Is it a life and death failure to learn concerning our days? We assume, oh, especially if we're young, oh man, I can, I'm going to live to be 100 years old. I'm strong. I can do it. And then you get older. You find you can't do it. You climb up a, a, a ladder out front to go put Christmas lights up, and you look down and you go, well, when I was 30, if I fell, I would recover. Now that I'm 67 and I fell, I may never recover. And if so, it may take me six months a year. Guess what? I'm going to get down off this ladder and give that job to a young person. We're younger in our minds than we are in reality. True? False. How many of you have that? I'm 20, 30, 40 years younger in my mind than I am in my life. Right? Until we do something stupid and then we are reminded, oh, that's right, I'm older than I thought I was. Right? We have an allotted time from God. Thank you, Lord, for that gift. But what is the purpose? To learn. Teach us. What is it that he wants us to learn? Number one, our life is a divine gift, a purpose. We are called to toil for Adam. Mentioned in pain is work hard. Does every job have its benefits and burdens? It's pain and suffering as well as its benefits in this life. What's really fascinating in this passage is when it talks about God bringing forth the mountains or even before you formed the earth and the world, the words there are the terms used of a woman giving birth to a child in sorrow and pain. Interesting. Still processing that. Why did he use those words? He spoke and it was. Maybe it's to relate to us in our struggles. Your sins have consequences. What is the wages of sins? Kids, I want a kid to answer this one. What, what is the wages of sin? You know? Very good. The wages of sin is? Say, let's all say it. The wages of sin is? Yeah. Separation from God. Have you sinned? Is anybody here without sin? Please raise your hand so we can talk to you. Okay, we'll talk later. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to be taught. We need to embrace. We need to understand we are in need of the grace of God. The wisdom of salvation. Number two, step one, a proper perspective on life. Point one, point two, reality check. 
Reality check. We live in a sin-cursed world. We have sin in our members. We're battling the world, the flesh, the devil. Our time here is temporary. We live in a society that avoids the thought of death. But yet we will all die, the Bible says. So how do we live our life? We live our life in the light of the king of eternity. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. Or the verse before, teach us to number our days. This is a season of celebration. This is a season of gift giving. This is a season to make money. Right? But is that the reason for the season? The answer is no. What's the reason for the season? Why do we call it Christmas? Scratch the mass part. Christ. Living light in the light of the king. Christ has come. Hallelujah. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to realize that our time is allotted by God. In the fullness of time, he sent forth his son. And we are called to live submitted to the Lord. Is submit a popular word today? It, if it, it happens to have six letters, but it's treated like a four-letter word, isn't it? How dare you tell me to submit? I will never submit to any man. I've heard people, I've heard people say that. I will not submit to anyone. I'm in charge. I'm the king. I'm the boss. I'm the Lord. I'm the determiner. What is that according to the Bible? Is that sin? I am the Lord and you are not. Is that bottom line sin? Jesus is Lord. And Jesus has given us a gift, and that is time. Don't waste it. We looked at that last week. In Paul's writing, what did he say? Redeeming the time for the days are evil. So we talk about gift giving. Have you ever said thank you, Lord, for another day? Another moment? Another Christmas? Another time to be with family? Or another time to celebrate the birth of Christ? Thank you, Lord, for giving me time. Help me to number my days. Not take them for granted. Our time is in his hands. What are we called to do? Not resignation, but aggressive faith in action. Verses 13 through 17. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy. Make us glad. Let the work, your work appear to your servants and let the beauty of the Lord. Isn't that, I love that statement. Let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the works of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. 
Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. What does that mean? What does that mean? Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. What I interpret it to be, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's that when someone sees me, sees what I do, they see Jesus. Isn't that the greatest goal of life? Is that when they see you, they hear you, they watch you, they're watching, they see Jesus. The beauty of the Lord is upon us. Is that a, is that a good prayer to pray? Lord, let the beauty of the Lord be seen upon me. When other people look at me, they see Jesus. Make us to rejoice in the pain and toil we face because our faith is being stretched. Make us to be aware of what you are doing in the world. I may not understand why you're doing what you're doing, but make me aware that when something happens bad at work, something happens bad at home with a neighbor at the grocery store driving, whatever, that you're in charge. Confirm us in our works and calling. Establish our work, it says. Make them last beyond the grave. Isn't that an interesting thought. You ever thought about that? Lord, what I'm doing right now, will it really have an impact if you so tarry a hundred years? I think about my wife. My wife does a lot of uh, research on her relatives, different relatives that she's had. And she looks back and sees godly Christian great-great-great-grandparents, and she wonders if they prayed for her. She has a, a French Bible from one of her great-great-great-grandmothers with markings. What are the works that you are doing that will last beyond the grave? Good works. And again, finally, knowing that they are the beauty of the Lord working through us. And so in summary, number one, Jesus is the only sure refuge in life and in death. Amen? He is the King of kings. Are you submitted to him? He violently tears away everything upon which we could substitute for him in our reliance. Is that hard to hear? Well, God, does God care about you enough to violently tear away anything that gets between you and him? Are you ready for that? That's a tough one. Walk by faith and the fear of the Lord, setting your heart on things above and not on things of the earth. Again, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Is he your dwelling place today? Will he be your dwelling place tomorrow? Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for showing forth not only through your word, 
but also in the person of Jesus Christ, that in the fullness of time, he came. And he had to deal with the rebellion of sin and sin of mankind and our sin. He had to perish because we deserve to perish. But yet he rose again. He is risen indeed. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are ascended into heaven and you rule. And you call us to submit to you, to bow the knee, to acknowledge and confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we pray not only at this time, but also the rest of the day and tomorrow and this week, that our lives would be show forth your praise and submission to your authority. For you are the Lord and we are not. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>